You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hey, welcome to the program. Let's get your week started. And let's start it with tonight. Washington versus Michigan. Got lots to talk about in the National Football League. And then the transfer portal is alive and doing quite well, just depending on your perspective. But Lars, you're the wordsmith. I just heard an audio clip from Aaron Rodgers. Is intentionality a word? It isn't coach speak. I, I thought I was listening to Nick Saban talk there. Um, he was he was channeling his uh, inner coach when he is just talking about. He's clearly directing that message uh, at the general manager, who then needs to examine the players on the roster and the players in that building who uh, Aaron views as aren't sort of uh, enhancing the winning culture. And, you know, every second you're in that building, you are locked in and focused. There's no sort of wasting time. There's no, uh, you know, daydreaming. It's just, hey, what, what do we got to do to get better each and every single day? I mean, that's what Nick Saban preaches. And, um, but it, I do want to say in the NFL, because today is Black Monday. Today is traditionally when coaches get fired. And sort of all eyes have been on Bill Belichick and and what will happen with Belichick. And and um, I don't believe anything is going to go down today, as we heard in that clip uh, to uh, before our show. And and Belichick said, you know, I am under contract. I'm going to do what I always do, which is every day come in, work hard and help this team in any way I can. And he acknowledged that perhaps if it's best for the team that he relinquish his general manager role, uh, he'll do that. But, you know, Matt, it's such an attractive job out in San Diego or excuse me, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Uh, you have a franchise quarterback with just the, with, you got a franchise quarterback with Justin Herbert. You got an elite defense and, uh, Brandon Staley just, uh, wasn't a right fit for that. He wasn't ready and he had been already, he had been previously fired. And, and I do want to get your, your take though on, uh, on two coaches who were dismissed, uh, uh, last night. Uh, Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons, was let go. Uh, Falcons finished seven and ten for the third straight season. He has an overall record of twenty-one and thirty, no playoff appearances. And you know, Arthur Smith, man, he went after uh, the. Uh, he went at. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was. Pretty he was. Re- he was really upset. And I'm like, hey, my feeling on that is stop them you know stop new orleans from scoring at the end there uh and and i don't think in any way that smith was trying to run up the score anyway smith gets arthur smith is fired uh then ron rivera he also was dismissed this morning um the commanders back in 2020 won the nfc east with a seven and nine record they never got any better seven and ten 2021, 8-8-1, eight, eight 2022, this year 4-13, and completely bottomed out. But you know what the, 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 what those two franchises have in common, Atlanta and Washington, they don't have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, Matt, 
you got no chance in this league. So true. It is the most important position, I would think, just about in all of sports. Can you yeah. With one another and maybe a goalie. We've talked about this, but hey, before we, uh, let me give you our lineup. Your buddy Manny Finkus, right, going to join us at 1215? Always a good yeah. guest. Yeah, Matt Finkus, former All-American defensive end at Ohio State and uh, now does a, a lot of uh, media work based in Columbus. Extremely familiar with Michigan. Not a big fan of Michigan. <laughs> and so it'll be great to get his... Uh, his analysis of the national championship game tonight. And also, where does Michigan go from here, win or lose? Does Harbaugh stay or does Harbaugh go? I think he's got to go. I mean, he's just, uh, he's going to end up getting suspended for several games in the 2024 season. I don't think he likes that. I think, especially if he wins a national championship, I think then he's really gone. But uh, I, I think that's the case moving forward. Later in the show, we'll have on first time all year. It, Mike Rodak will join us from Bama 24-7. They posted a lot over the weekend, particularly with information concerning the transfer portal and the University of Alabama. I do want to just do a quick reverse here and go back to the Arthur Smith Dennis, uh, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the altercation. The, 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 the kerfuffle. The, uh, <laughs> what really, really bothered me. Now, after the game, Dennis said that um, it was all a big mistake. The players did that on their own because they wanted to get Williams a touchdown. Okay, all right. But the method in which the team decided to do that was lousy. You don't deceive a team and then run up the score. You understand what I mean? They were in a yeah. victory formation. And so, you know, in a victory formation, is anybody flying over the top? trying to blitz any more than are they trying to drop back and pass? No. It's a situation where the quarterback takes a knee and then, you know, game's over. But um, that that didn't happen. And, uh, man, uh, those two guys kind of went at it, one trying to convince the other that he didn't know what was going on, the other one just expressing his opinion on uh, scoring a touchdown when they were up 34-13, something like that. It was very, very unnecessary and I just, I really objected to scoring a touchdown out of a victory formation. That that bothered the poop out of me. I, I, I agree, but I, I think Arthur Smith was, uh, he was frustrated about the whole season. He knew he was about ready to be fired. And I was almost surprised that he didn't try to throw a punch, to be honest with you. And, you know, it, you can see what he appears to yell just by reading lips. It's not rocket science. I, why the blank would you do that, man? Why the blank did you do that? That's blanking blank. And it appears, you know, that Allen, the head coach of the Saints, he's trying to calm Smith down at the beginning, trying to say, hey, I understand, I understand. But uh, clearly, uh, Smith did not appreciate uh, what went down. And, and it, it should be noted, Allen did open up his postgame presser by apologizing, saying that the Saints players want to get uh, running back Jamal Williams his first touchdown of the season. Players asked Allen if they could run a play rather than run out the clock, he told reporters. And he said no, but the players did it anyway, and it resulted in a touchdown. So... I agree. Uh, that's uh, you're lining up in a victory formation, but you know what? It's football. Like they they have every right to do that. Is it is it is it sportsmanlike? 
probably not. But you remember when uh, the Bears, 86 Bears, go to the Super Bowl late in the game, didn't get Walter Payton a touchdown. To his unfortunate, tragic early end to Walter Payton's life, he was still upset that he didn't get to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, you know, I in the grand scheme of things, it's really no big deal. But is it sportsmanlike? No. But how about when Dan Marino, you know, uh, remember the fake spike and throws a touchdown pass against the Jets? Was that sportsmanlike? I mean, there's all sorts of things that are, that are borderline sportsmanlike, not sportsmanlike. Or you send a guy off the field and you think he is uh, running to the sideline when, in fact, he just stops right before the bench, right right before he gets out of bounds, hike the ball, nobody's covering him, throw it to him. Is that sportsmanlike yeah. or is that just deception? I don't know. I guess it depends on whether you're Steve Spurrier or Nick Saban. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, Saban wouldn't do anything like that. And man, if Golly, his if he did, your his quarterback would have been uh, benched. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, but Saban seems too disciplined for that kind of stuff. Uh, there is a great story concerning running up scores. Michigan, Ohio State, back in the Bow and Woody days. I will share that with you along with a few other things. But Matt Finkus is next on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Being busy. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. A chance of rain this afternoon. The sky mostly cloudy. The high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. Tonight's low 44. Windy tomorrow. Rain ending during the morning. The high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3320 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is big noon sports. Hey, do keep an eye on the weather, especially if you're in South Alabama. James just told us 45 mile an hour winds. Man, that's knocking little kids over. And I'm not trying to be funny in that, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's more than a brisk. It's closer to a gale. All right, Lars, you're the word, man. Pick it up. Let's go OSU <laughs> with Matty Finkus. Yeah, Matt Finkus joins us now, uh, former All-American defensive end at Ohio State, played in the NFL, uh, is a main character in one of my books uh, from years ago, The Proving Ground. Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, give us your view. Uh, and, you know, you're always, you know, when we talk to you, you're at all these exotic locales, and now you're in St. Lucia. <laughs> What's it look like right now? Oh, it's beautiful, about 85 degrees and a little sunny, little breezy today. But, uh, yeah, here in St. Lucia, just had some uh, some lunch here in the marina and heading over to St. Vincent uh, this evening. So uh, let's go back to uh, Michigan, Alabama. I was stunned at the result. I was stunned. I was stunned that Michigan was able to really control the line of scrimmage on both sides. Just what was your analysis of that game? Yeah, I mean, I think the end of that game was was pretty surprising. I think when you looked at that first half, uh, you know, Michigan played pretty well. Um, Alabama played pretty poorly in that first half, and to only be down three, getting the ball coming out of half, 
Um, I think that if you're a tight fan, you had to feel pretty good about that. Um, came up, got up in the game, and then normally, you know, with the, with that defense, that's all she wrote. But, uh, you know, Michigan is a good, tough, physical football team. And uh, you know, they, they, there's a lot of uh, guys that are in their fifth, sixth year on that football team. Um, and they were able to get it done and, uh, and make plays when they had to down the stretch. I mean, and that's kind of been, been their M.O. all season long. We'll go back to the Alabama game. Just a couple of questions here, and then let's look to tonight. But what did you think uh, yeah. about the fourth and three call for Alabama at the end of the game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting call. I mean, and, and I think sometimes in those games, man, you just, um, you know, you, <clears throat> you either decide to take chances or you decide to, to really play a conservative. And, and uh, I mean, you know, both these coaches uh, in that game had been around for a long time, uh, kind of had to feel things out and know where they had to go with it and, um, you know, put the hand, put the game in the hands of your players. I mean, a lot of times it's just kind of what you got to do. Matt, you've uh, played in the Rose Bowl. And, um, you know, when Michigan converted that fourth down in their own territory late in the game, it's almost like you could see the defensive players of Alabama, their body language suddenly got really bad and uh and it's like as as a as a you know as someone just watching on television you're like "Uh uh-oh this could be problematic did you get that too yeah yeah absolutely i mean you know surprised that they go for that you know surprised that they convert and then then you got to feel if you're you know if if you're alabama that you may be a little bit on your heels i mean you know michigan didn't doesn't get behind in the downs very much um you know that's just kind of the, the way they've been playing and and uh, yeah, I mean, the momentum swings are huge, especially in college football where there's so much emotion. You got young kids, and uh, that was a big momentum swing in that football game towards the end. Matt, let's start on tonight. Who do you like? You know, it's it's. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game. I mean, you talk about two differing styles. You've got Washington, who airs it out with Penix, who's been a fantastic quarterback all year long. You know, Washington struggled there in the middle, like towards the end, kind of mid-end stretch that they had there. But, I mean, you can't argue that they haven't played their best football here towards the end of the end of the season with that Oregon game in the Pac-12 championship and then what they were able to do with Texas. And Penix can just flat-out swing it. So, I mean, you get two diametrically opposed teams there where I think when you look at that Alabama-Michigan game, it's just two big slugfest run, heavy defense. You know, not trying to make any mistakes. Washington is going to be the the opposite of that. They're going to try to use those receivers, get down the field, strong running back as well, try to put up some points. And, you know, Michigan's going to do what Michigan does. They're going to come in, going to play solid defense. They're going to, you know, run the football and and try to not have J.J. McCarthy win the football game for them um, and and just kind of see which one comes out on top. I mean, I think it's interesting, though. Penix has beaten Michigan before when he was in Indiana back in 2020. So this is a guy who knows, he's seen this hardball defense. He knows uh, how to play this game. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top of this one. I mean, I've, I've been kind of a, my, uh, a uh, Washington fan all year, even though they've been underdogs in a couple of these games. Um, so, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. They're both Big Ten teams. So now, now that the season is over, so we can't lose in the Big Ten. 
<laughs> yeah, that is definitely like a different mentality than Auburn, Alabama fans. Like I, I've never understood that. Like you know, when Auburn is say playing for a national title, everybody, every Alabama fan is rooting for the other team. But I'm like you. Oh, I'm I, definitely I'm rooting like, for for Washington. Don't don't kid, uh, don't, oh, okay. don't, don't kid yourself. I, yeah, do not kid yourself. I do not want Michigan to win the national championship <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, you're such a fun follow on Twitter and, uh, you know, you end a lot of your posts with, uh, I think it's like hashtag Michigan cheated. Um, is there anything, what do you think the, the, the end result of this is going to be? Because if I'm, I, I believe I'm correct in saying that the NCAA still has not concluded its investigation into the sign stealing scandal. No, and I think that, I mean, it's going to be probably this summer before you actually find out what's going to happen. And from the information that I've been told that I've seen that is, I mean, if you just read that letter from the Big Ten um, of what has been proven by the NCAA, I mean, it's a 14-page letter that the, that the Big Ten wrote to Michigan when they suspended Harbaugh outlining the information that they had at that time. And this is back in October, and as you said, the investigation is still continuing. I mean, I can't see where this is going to be anything but bad for them in their program. I think you're going to see a lot of things. I, I mean, Harbaugh, this is his last coaching game at Michigan. I mean, there's no way he's coming back next year because I believe he's facing at least a minimum of a year suspension when he comes back next year. I think the, you know there's going to be some harsh penalties on on the on this team and this program going forward. Um, you know, does it tarnish what's happening right now? I mean, that's it, you know who knows. I mean, this is a thing where. Um, you know, because it was caught early on in the season and th- there wasn't the chance to scout all of the games that this guy had tickets for, for not just Ohio State, but remember, I mean, he had tickets to Georgia games and Alabama games. So this is, uh, I mean, if this, think of this though, if this, if he hadn't gotten caught and this, all this information comes out after the season, let's just say that Michigan wins the national championship. And then in March, you find out that they've been doing illegal in-person scouting at Alabama, at, at Georgia, at Ohio State. What does this team look like? Now, um, it puts a lot of questions in. It, it's sad that it's going to take away some of this and all these questions are going to come up for these kids. But at the end of the day, I mean, I from everything I've heard from coaches and officials around the league, and not just the Big Ten, but across the country in college football, um, this is a bad thing for Michigan going forward. And I mean, and it's it's weird that everyone's just kind of pretending that this isn't happening, but, but it's going to come down pretty hard here. It really it really boggles my mind that it's not talked about more. Yeah. And, and how in the world is the young man who is at the center of the sign-stealing scandal in the crowd at the Rose Bowl? <laughs> I guess he's a, I mean, he's a citizen. Is- he can get a ticket, right? I this is Jim Harbaugh, though. I mean, and this is Michigan in a nutshell. It's arrogant. It's flaunting. I mean, you look at what he what he happened, and everyone calls it the cheeseburger incident. It's not about cheeseburgers that he <laughs> served the first suspension for. He was illegally recruiting during a dead period and then lied about it to the NCAA and obstructed the investigation. So this isn't a guy who has done things on the up and up for a long, long time. Maddie, you're too good a guest for one segment. Can you hold off your... <laughs> I don't know, your catamaran visit this afternoon and come back with us? I, guys, I apologize. I can't. I've got to get going uh, here. We're, we're hopping on right. the boat. I apologize, but, uh, but I no, can't. No, get on your boat. Any other get time. on the boat. Ha- enjoy the Mai Tais, my friend. Yes. Have fun. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. 
See ya. All right. Good job. Good analysis from analysis from Matt Finkus, Ohio State University. All right. When we get back, I will tell you that funny story about Bo and Woody. It cracked me up at the time. I think it will you too. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, sponsored in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. SEC Sports, like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Matt Coulter, Lars, Wyatt Fulton, all in gear on this Monday. Lars, so here's how the story goes. You know, back uh, in the day when Woody was at Ohio State and Bo Schembechler was at Michigan, uh, the rivalry might have been more intense then than it is now. I don't know. I really can't go back and measure. But, and they didn't like each other either, by the way. But Michigan was in control of the game. It was like midway through the fourth quarter and the Wolverines scored another touchdown. And they went for two. I mean, that's that's really rubbing it in, okay? Mm-hmm. And in post game, Bo's you know sitting at the podium, and reporter says, "Hey, coach, why'd you go for two after scoring that last touchdown?" Bo said, "Because I couldn't go for three." Ba-do-bop. Oh, man, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of cases of running up the score over the years. Um, and it's usually, usually in rivalry games, right? And uh, do you have a – do you have a problem with it? Do you have a problem with it? I have a problem with it on certain levels. When I see high school teams do this, it blows me up. I don't like it when colleges do it, but these are pretty much grown men by then. But oftentimes these decisions are made by the coaches and not the players, which is the reverse of what happened with Atlanta and New Orleans. Uh, at the professional level, I really don't care. These are guys making millions and millions of dollars. If they don't like it, quit. You know. So I guess I have my different levels. And don't don't even get me started on Little League. Okay, so here's a uh, little history history lesson for everyone about running up the score. Uh, and I've written about this before. So John Heisman, yes, the Heisman that the Heisman oh, Trophy yeah. is named after, um, he uh, not only played football uh, uh, at, at Georgia Tech, right, but um, he also became the head coach. At Georgia Tech, he played football at Georgia Tech, right? I, I, I can look yeah. it up, but I, yeah, I certainly but, know but, this but, is the Cumberland so, story, right? Yeah, it's the Cumberland story. So he also coached the, the baseball team at Georgia Tech, and Cumberland had just absolutely destroyed the baseball team uh, in, a, in a baseball game, and Cumberland had used some pro players to do it. All right, so that was in the spring. In the fall, guess what? Georgia Tech faces Cumberland College. Hmm. What's the score in that game? 222 to zero. Nobody had a bigger smile on his face than 
John Heisman, who is supposedly, you know, the uh, the iconic symbol of sportsmanship and greatness and and uh, the student athlete and what college sports is supposed to be all about. Well, John Heisman, he's human. He was like all of us prone to getting a little PO'd and he unleashed it that fall afternoon in Atlanta against Cumberland College. 222 to Zilch. Got a problem with that? I don't. Yeah, I do. Football, baseball, not even played on the same field. The fact, I tell you what does make me feel a little okay with what Heisman did is the fact that he discovered Cumberland had been using pro players to beat his baseball team. But I've often thought about this, Lars, and I was just going to try and do a little bit of the math. But what is that, like 30 touchdowns? More. Uh, 222. Well, that's 30. 30 would be 210. 37 right? touchdowns. Uh, yeah. 37. I mean, how do you do that in 60 minutes? I mean, are you... I mean, I, I just... How bad was Cumberland to allow this? I just, I remember growing up when Nebraska was really good and consistently beating these uh, non-conference and some Big 8 opponents, you know, 63 to nothing, 59, 70. They once scored 84 against Minnesota. And Tom Osborne would consistently just do full back up the middle, full back up the middle. And, you know, if they can't stop it, (laughs) <laughs> what are you supposed to do? You know, and uh, and, and 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 basically, the, the Osborne was telling the team, "Here's what's coming," and we got our fifth stringers in there because back then Nebraska used to suit up about 210 guys. <laughs> Remember that? Um, and you know, there's sometimes, and and so there was. He was trying to be a good sport about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I also remember Nick Saban telling me this story and Tom Osborne telling me the story. Nebraska in 1995, I think, uh, I think it was 95, went into, uh, East Lansing, Michigan. Nick Saban just became the head coach and Nebraska just absolutely trounced him. I think it was 59 to 10 at the end of the game and, and they meet uh, at the end of the game. Saban and Osborne meet at midfield. Saban is just distraught because he's. I think it may have been his first. Uh, it, it, it may have been his first loss at Michigan State. And uh, and Osborne, you know, he apologized. And Saban was just like, uh, you know, again distraught. And Tom put his arm around Nick and said, "You know, you're not as bad as you think you are." <laughs> He said, we're we're, we're really, he said, we're really good. It's not always going to be like this. And then afterward, you know, when, when, uh, Coach Saban recounted the story for me, which is, uh, which is a part of the Showtime documentary that I did on Lawrence Phillips that me and a, a team did, wasn't me, but, um, you know, when he's recounting the story, he's smiling and laughing about it. 
because he ended because that, that Nebraska team went on and did really well and uh, won the national championship and all that. And but Nick Saban just remarked like he loved the classiness of Osborne, but he didn't see it at the time because at the time he's like, oh my god, I'm never going to win a game at Michigan State. <laughs> That's a great story. I don't believe I've heard part of that, but yeah. I'd like to get, you know, a few takes on this. We can take calls at 205-342-9904 about running up the score. If you, you want to dial in, it's 342-9904. I remember Spurrier got criticized, and he openly said, well, stop us. Well, if, if you don't like to run up the score, then just stop us. That was a horrible Spurrier, but I gave it a shot. So... <laughs> Uh, I really have uh, a difficulty at certain levels, like I said. But, you know, you're also supposed to stop. I guess I kind of fence right on this. But I do know that uh, most teams start running the ball. Just Most teams do exactly. I I say most now. It's probably changed. But I like what Osborne did. That's what Paul Bryant did. Uh, that's what Nick Saban did, has done. And, you know, when you put your twos and threes in, man, they want to play. They want to yeah. play hard. So they're they going to block the and coaches. tackle like yep. it's zero, zero. Exactly. So. It, and uh, the thing is, you also, you can't ask your players to kind of throttle back, right? And not give 100% because what happens then? That's when you get hurt. And you just got to keep playing the way you've been coached, the way you've always played. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one thing just to keep, keep going, right? Put all your backups in. But if it's, uh, you know, first and goal at the one with, uh, 45 seconds left or a minute and a half left and you're up 40, you can take a knee three times and just run the clock out. Or does that matter? I mean, does it matter? Like, I, I, it is really a, a, a profound, interesting question when it comes to sports. Is it okay to, you know, uh, take your foot off the gas? I mean, why not score? They're on the schedule. You're on this. There and you're on their schedule. Well, there's another. There's another angle to this too. And now that betting is so much woven into the our society pro football baseball whatever the case is you know if it's a 40 point game and they're up 39 is that just cross anybody's mind other than the guy that laid a dime on it oh i can't tell you how many times in uh basketball right uh where you just bet the total right you go over or under and there's like uh, you're, you're, you say you bet the under and the under is 165 and you know, the total is 162 or 163 and the guy's just running the clock out and then from 40 feet he decides at the buzzer to launch a three and he hits it <laughs> and it's like changes everything for those of us who care about the point total and it goes from the over you, you like you think you got the under nailed and then the over hits on a bad beat which uh, is is one of the greatest segments in uh, in sports media right now is Scott Van Pelt on ESPN doing bad beats with Bill Barnwell. Uh, I, I find that hilarious. It's very, um, very yeah, it's very funny. I mean, Scott Van Pelt, 
Yeah, he's he's so good. He's so talented. Um, but uh, anyway, you, you just see that happen, and you're right because gambling in gambling has influenced, I think, what the players are going to do because I guarantee you, ninety five to one hundred percent of the players know what the line wow. is. They know the over under, especially in basketball, and. You know, that's why you get, that's why, uh, Scott Van Pelt has all these, <laughs> all these, uh, uh, different games to pick from on, on bad beats. Van Pelt it's, started, as you know, at the golf network and then he ended up moving to ESPN and his fame and fortune has just grown since. But he's an interesting guy. He's an intelligent guy. He's a good read, a good listen. And wouldn't you say, that he has kind of a unique look, right? Yeah, yeah. At one I, I, time, I, they would uh, have Scott Van Pelt lookalikes, and people would send them in, and people would intentionally try and look like him. Um, he just took it in such great humor. And you're right, that segment about blown bets is fabulous. And he's just really good, and... Pretty, you're pretty darn good in ESPN's eyes when you get your own sports center, don't you think, Lars? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is. Uh, I, I would say he is probably the star of the guys who do Sports Center. And um, I, I've never met Scott, but uh, just been a, a fan of his from a, from afar. And uh, I just think he's funny. You know, and he's not, he doesn't resort to cliches. Or he doesn't resort to, uh, having some signature, you know, silly saying. Like he, he's just, he's just funny. I mean, I, I I'm sure he could do stand up if he wanted to. Um, and he's gee. smart. He is smart yeah, as heck. Yeah. They had a guy 15, 20 years ago. Real tall, thin guy, played quarterback at, like, Montana. I'm forgetting his name. Got out at a very early age and then kind of began a mediocre acting career. Um, he was really fun. Craig something. Oh, Craig Kilborn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who are wondering what happened to Craig Kilborn. I, and I'm one of them. You know, he made an appearance in old school. Yeah. I remember. He, was, he actually did a good job. Yeah. Did that, he drive his Porsche into the river or something like that? Uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he, he no. And, and really he hosted, good. remember, he hosted the uh, Daily Show. Yes, and, he did. um, yeah, and then uh, he did the Late Show. Late Show with Craig Kilborn. Uh, and, yeah, he's, uh, I guess he, he does a he does a calm uh, does a podcast titled Life Life Gorgeous, but um, he was he was my favorite when kind of growing up watching him yeah. on on Sports Center did a really good job. I never wanted to be one of those guys, but I, I just I admired his work. He always came across as just a tad smug to me, but. I'm going to bring one up on the other side of this break, and it's probably the best sports center in the history of ESPN, which goes back to the late 70s. That's a long time. You're listening to Big Known Sports, Matt and Lars. By the way, join us, please. we got plenty of time today at 205-342-9904. Catch Christian.
Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up tomorrow to Miller's Egg on a Tuesday. We got a big major SEC matchup. The Gamecocks of South Carolina travels to Tuscaloosa to take on Nados and the Tide. We'll talk about that. And plus, they have a visit from the head coach Lamont Paris of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Got that? Your phone calls and much more right here on the Tide. 100.9, 1230 AM, WTBC on Tuesday. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A chance of rain this afternoon. The sky mostly cloudy, the high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. Tonight's low 44. Windy tomorrow, rain ending during the morning, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Lars Anderson, Matt Colton. Wyatt Fulton is our producer today. He's just increasingly doing a great job uh, since he has taken over for Matt and Lars on Big Noon Sports. It was too many, especially your hardcore sports fan. It was appointment. It was must-see TV. Sunday nights on ESPN. Good grief. It's been, what, 25 years ago? Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. They were dynamic. They knew their stuff. They had great sense of humor um, and unbelievable chemistry. And um, the guys went their separate ways. Of course, Patrick is now with Fox, and Oberman is off standing on his uh, soapbox somewhere yelling at a crowd. Um, but I always thought that was the best team they ever had. And I can remember thinking, okay, it's almost 9 o'clock or whatever time it came on. I need to get in front of a TV. I need to see what they're going to do. Were you that way about that group? Uh, I appreciated them very much. And uh, they're both uh, so sharp, uh, so quick. And uh, I got to know Dan pretty well because there was a stretch there that he was uh, writing a column for Sports Illustrated and then doing some other projects. And we got involved in a few projects together and and just a really uh, humble hardworking, just all around nice guy, you know, and uh, I think he uh, sort of exudes that on his uh, on, on his radio show. Um, and uh, one of the Danettes, uh, Andrew Perloff, uh, who now is doing his own show in New York City with Maggie Gray. Uh, Andrew was my editor for a while uh, at SI.com. And, uh, man, we just hit it off great. Uh, and uh, I got to know Maggie really well also because I did a lot of hits because she kind of was the, uh, for, for Sports Illustrated when we were just getting into video, like 20 years after every other website <laughs> was getting into video. Uh, hence, hence the demise of Sports Illustrated, who, by the way, the, uh, the, the, the dude who owns Sports Illustrated now is threatening just to, to blow it all up and kill the, the whole, uh, entity altogether. 
There's Even a whole the other, website stuff? Everything. Yeah, he, wow. he's, he's, he's upset so about... So sad. Yeah. So no, sad. Yeah. Um, so I got to know Maggie really well, and it, it's fun. Like, if... Uh, the, I forget the name of their show, but it's Maggie uh, uh, Gray and Andrew Perloff, and and they have a, a big time prime time show in New York City, and they're doing great. And but it's sort of just you know all, all the stuff that had come out came out of Sports Illustrated back in the early two thousands and even before. People are still doing so well, but it was it was great to to work with Dan on on a couple different projects, and um, I never got to know Keith. Uh, we have talked a few times, but it was more sort of in the political world stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, they both have gone on to have really interesting careers. They they really have, uh, and they're men of talent. Um, Oberman. Um he was ahead of the curve as far as, uh, you know, networks starting to lean in one political direction or the other. Um, yeah. And I, I think he was engaged by that more so than he was even – you know, he's a huge baseball fan, a huge baseball mm-hmm. collector, and, and you know how I am. So I always like to listen to him talk about baseball. But, uh, man, he – he got on some political rants that I think it got him in trouble a couple of times. Yeah. But, I mean, I know. remember, Matt, I just, uh, gosh, just the other day I was talking to a, uh, a friend of mine who is European and he hadn't spent much time in the United States and he started watching our news and he was just blown away how every single channel has their slant, every single yeah. uh, outlet. And he's like, Lars, where do you, where do you go to find unbiased, just straightforward news? I didn't have a good response. You know, I'm trying to think I, too. I, I mean, NPR, maybe. Uh, well, they lean, they tend to lean left. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I get that. Yeah. I don't know but, where you do. I mean, where is this like news just right down the middle? It is, it, it's so that. hard to find and, and it would be interesting to do a deep dive examination. As to how this happened, like I used to love growing up, my my dad listened uh, or watched uh, CBS Dan rather Walter and before that Walter Cronkite, what a guy, right? And before that Edward R Murrow, right? These guys just they told you the news, you got the news, no no twist, no bend left or right, just this is what happened, and you just it's really hard to find that because now. The way that media has evolved, even sports media, got to have a take. Got to have a take on everything. Well, and another part of that is anybody with a laptop can be a member of the media. Well, didn't Matt, earlier in your career, didn't you do some news? Yeah, we would cover news and events and stuff like that. We'd help out the news team. But there were no slants. And I get the feeling, boy, I could go... All of that. I get the feeling they have their production meetings, the news, news production, TV news, when they're, they're at CNN or Fox or whatever. And instead of talking about the stories they need to cover for the American public, they're talking about what slant they're going to put on it, yeah. what their take will be. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. It's a good thing we got a break coming up because I could just go off on that because <laughs> the media business is not the news business that Matt grew up with. And, I don't like it a lot. All right. Hey, we got to talk some basketball. I want to see UAB play. And I got to talk about 
somebody that's a special player in green and gold. You need to you need to go see this guy. He's awesome. This is Big News Sports. Matt, Lars, and Wyatt. Hang on. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. In his season-ending press conference, Patriots coach Bill Belichick confirmed he's under contract and said he'd be open to giving up general manager duties moving forward. NFL media reports that x-rays showed no fracture on Jalen Hurts' dislocated right middle finger. The commanders are already requesting interviews for their head coaching vacancy, including from Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. In the NBA, Draymond Green said he considered retirement in the wake of his indefinite suspension. I had a conversation with Adam Silver. I just told him, Adam, it's too much for me. It's all becoming too much for me, and I'm going to retire. And Adam said, ah, you're making a very rash decision, and I won't let you do that. Green last played in a game on December 12th. Finally, Golf News Tiger Woods announced he is leaving Nike after a 27-year partnership. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big News Sports, and we're being brought to you by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Haley will join us tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk some sports and we'll talk some real estate, mortgages, that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, Lars, I want to start with something that was just in the Fox News report. Tiger Woods leaving Nike, or is Nike leaving Tiger Woods? <laughs> Great question. Uh, great question. And I, that's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> um, I would assume that it is probably mutual. Um, Nike might feel that they're not getting enough bang out of their gazillion dollar bucks out of Tiger. And, uh, you know, maybe Tiger wants to move on and do something else. Tiger has more money than he'll ever possibly need. Um, but I, 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 it's a little surprising, right? Because Nike has yeah. stuck with Tiger. Nike has stuck with Tiger through everything. Through the seminar. I mean, is this a, uh, yeah, is this a reflection on the health of the financial health of Nike? I, I, I don't know. This is just, this is me just speaking off the top of my head because I I, I do not know. I, I find it strange, uh, but because, you know, I, I think Tiger, it, it, it's amazing how he has sort of transformed how he is viewed. You know, I, I think the public, ever since especially the, the, the car accident, right, where he nearly lost his leg and Boy, just quite frankly, he's lucky to be alive from that. And then for him to come back and uh, play as well as he did and and has, uh, but you know, just he, he's obviously not the same player, never will be the same player. Um, and now you see his son. Oh my gosh, this kid can play. 
he can play. And, the man and, 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 and Manners, and Manners, is a carbon copy of his dad. It's great oh, to watch them I, both play. Oh, it is. It is so fun. I mean, I'd almost rather watch a father-son tournament with those two than almost anything but a major at this point because it's just uh it is awesome awesome to see um so i don't know what, what, what's your reaction and again we're, we we got to say to everybody out there that we have not dug into this neither neither of us had heard about this until just now well and i do think it's cool i, I believe it's next week that the tiger woods pop stroke is opening in tuscaloosa uh, you know right over there next to campus yeah, you and I went and looked at it. It's, it's oh, so man. dang cool. I can't it's wait so to get over cool. there. It's so cool, and and we're really uh, interested in in hopefully making some announcements with that moving forward. Yeah, but it's uh, it's a really great great thing for Tuscaloosa, and very rare, right? Uh, it's uh, we we don't have all the information in front I of us right now. I think there's one in Orlando. And maybe yeah. another one somewhere else, but yeah, yeah. And then they're building a golf course. We need to get Kip Tyner on again. Hey, Kip, I know he's listening. He listens to us yeah. all the time. So hey, Kip. But while we were talking about this, when you said Tiger Woods doesn't need any money, true words never spoken. Um, but I thought I'd just look up his net worth. He is worth one point zero seven billion dollars. That's a B billion. So, I went on. I said, hey, I wonder if, if he's in the same ballpark as Michael Jordan, the two biggest Nike spokesmen ever. Not even in the same neighborhood. Tiger Woods is in the, uh, he's living at the foot of the hill compared to Michael. You have any idea how much he's worth? Whew. It's uh, not a fair question because it, it, it's one, one point of... 1.4 billion? Nope. He's uh, worth three times what Tiger is. He's worth over three billion dollars, Michael wow. Jordan. That is, uh, man. And and hey, guess what? My son Lincoln. He's he's playing basketball now. Eight years old. Guess what shoe he just had to have? Air Jordans. <laughs> Air Jordans. Oh. <laughs> old school. The old, the first original Air Jordans. And in, believe it or not, you can get them relatively inexpensive. I don't know. I didn't pay for it. Uh, grandma did. Uh, but. <laughs> Do you know how much they were or did you just say? I know. I, I, I know. I just, I, I just sort of, uh, I, that was a subject I wasn't going to bring up. <laughs> I talk about that. Was it $200? I, probably more than any shoe that I own, but. Uh, you I know. think it's worth more than my collective. <laughs> I'll tell you something else. Lincoln has know. more shoes than I own. Oh. He's got like eight pairs. Like, it's a thing now among uh, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds. It's also a thing for 30- and 40-year-olds. <laughs> to have just a closet full of freaking shoes that you're going to outgrow in six months. Here's something. Uh, oh man, I tell I, them all. I tell my kids all the time. This isn't reality. The way you're growing up is not reality. Uh, you know, it's just. I was pricing, and I was going to, and I won't mention, but people know the the big box sporting goods stores. I, uh, my grandson wanted a um, Jordan Love shirt, jersey. 
And I'm all about that. Go Packers. I've got him I've got him groomed for that. As the resident Green Bay fan, your son has great taste. <laughs> well put. Are you a Green Bay fan, Why? I am, I am. Awesome. I, uh, we got to talk, man. They drafted Ha Ha Clinton Dix and Eddie Lacy and just yeah. got back-to-back years, and I said, that's my team. That's them uh, right good. there. Good. Bart Starr turned me. Of course, I don't even think... Hey, man, guess, guess, who had, guess who had a sack in the uh, pick yesterday for the Bengals? Jordan Battle. That guy can play. Oh, man. They got, Bengals got yeah, him, I think, s- in the sec- second or third round. Steel. How about Brian Branch? Jeez. Oh, man. He's, he's yeah. playing great, too. But I was pricing, I couldn't find a love jersey. So I was just looking at the prices of jerseys themselves. He ended up getting a C.J. Stroud. You know how much a, for a youth football NFL jersey? You know how much it is? Uh, hundreds. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much that goes to the NFL. Aren't All the right, adult um, ones only like 120 Um, Maybe I was in the wrong store. Maybe I was looking at the wrong store, <laughs> the wrong price. To it. it just blows me up how things, how expensive things are. Of course, when I grew up, you could get, you could fill up your tank for five bucks. Hey, uh, we're efforting Mike Rodak. We'll work on that and several other things as we continue the Monday edition of Big Noon Sports. Tuscaloosa weather. A chance of rain this afternoon. The sky mostly cloudy. The high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. Tonight's low 44. Windy tomorrow. Rain ending during the morning. The high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Joining us from Bama 24-7 is Mike Rodak, who covers Alabama for that fine website platform. Mike, we haven't talked to you all year. How are you? That's right. I haven't talked to you since last year. It's been... It's been busy. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things I think Lane Kiffin mentioned, like free agency happens during the season. Well, I mean, it happens right after the season too. I mean, you get home from the Rose Bowl and there's now it's 17 players into the portal and, you know, assisted coaching changes and all, all sorts of fun stuff. But, you know, the draft declarations. So it, uh, it all kind of happens at once instead of in stages like professional sports, you know, across the, the off season. What are you working on right now for 24-7? Well, yeah, as I just mentioned, a 17th player um, into the portal uh, within the past few minutes. Um, Kendrick Blackshire, you know, the linebacker, has been around for three years for Alabama. Um, has not become a starter, but, you know, has played a, a decent amount. He played a decent amount on defense this past season. He just went into the portal, um, again, within the past five, ten minutes here. And, um, you know, it's slightly surprising. Um you know, given I think he, he had a chance to play a little bit more in this coming year, but he also fits the mold of uh, what a lot of these transfer portal losses have been is players who have been around for a couple of years and have not fully emerged and, um, you know, start to feel the clock ticking and, you know, they want to go somewhere else and, and try to play some more. He definitely falls into that category. Um, so, 
you know, we'll have to see where he goes and, and what he does. But um, that's Nick Saban always talks about it. It's, it's really thinning the the second level of depth uh, on their roster, and he's he's right in there. Mike, since the final whistle blew in Pasadena, as you mentioned, so many things have happened off the field. Uh, is there one or two that have been the most surprising to you? Um, you know, I think, you know, assistant coaching departures, uh, I think are expected. You know, there's, there's always a few every year. I think Holman Wiggins was a little bit surprising. Um, we'll have to see what happens with Travis Robinson, who's not under contract, you know, right now for them for next year. Um, you know, I think in terms of the portal stuff, you know, I think most of the guys I would expect, like, you know, you could have asked me in December for a list of 15 names, you know, who go into portal. I think 10 or 12 of them have gone in. Um, again, it's, it's a lot of those second, third year guys that haven't played a whole lot. I think of that group, probably the most surprising one to me was Terrence Ferguson. Um, you know, the offensive lineman who, you know, it, it's been out there for a while. I think people have kind of known and expected that he would go into the portal for a few weeks. But um, with Seth McLaughlin leaving and that center job open, I mean, he would have been top candidate if he had stayed, I think, to, to start at center next year. So um, now that leaves Alabama with a pretty big hole at center, um, you know, for, there wasn't a, an opportunity for Ferguson at guard with, with Booker and, and Roberts, you know, kind of entrenched there. But um, Earl Little, I think, would be the other one that surprised me. You're going into the portal where, you know, he probably could have played next year. I think it, it probably hurt his, his cause that Malachi Moore is coming back for a fifth year, but uh, maybe Earl Little could have competed for, you know, one of those two starting cornerback jobs that are open, um, or at least one of them, you know, with, with Tarion and Kool-Aid leaving and Trey Amos filling one of those spots. There was still another opening at corner. I think Earl Little would have been a pretty good candidate, but instead he decided to go to Florida State. We all, speaking of lists before the season, I guess about midway through the season, we all kind of thought, well, maybe Ty Simpson's going to enter the transfer portal. What's the situation there, Mike? Yeah, you know, that's it's a surprising one in that, you know, throughout the year, there was a lot of talk, you know, that Ty could go into portal. And then once it got close to the end of the year, there was a lot of talk that he's probably going to stay. And that obviously has proven true so far. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, a I think he, he still sees a, a potential path, uh, I think is kind of where he lands. And I was talking to him really for the first time before, um, you know, the Rose Bowl. And he, I don't want to say he's, he's not cocky, but he's confident. He says, like, you know, I, I feel like I'm one of the best backups in the country. And he feels like he's a, you know, a good peer passer. And he feels like he's shown things when he's on the field. And, um, I, I think he, you know, he thinks he's got it. Um, and is there still an opportunity for him at Alabama? I mean, look, I think we've seen very good things from Jalen Milrow. I think he really, you know, took over that job this year. And I don't think there's any question by the end of the year that he was the starter. Um, you know, does that guarantee that there's never going to be another question about him all throughout the year 2024? I don't know. Like, is there an opportunity for Ty Simpson to get better and better through the spring and the summer? And maybe, you know, if Jalen Murrow slips up, is there an opportunity for Ty to get on the field? Like, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I think that's where his mind is at. Um, and there's still that spring transfer window for him, too, that if you get through the spring and it doesn't look like it's going to work out, then he can always go into portal April 16th. 
um, April 16th through the 30th is, is the other possibility for him. So it's not as if he's guaranteed to be back next year, but he's just guaranteed to be here for the spring at this point. And uh, is Alabama actively looking for guys in the transfer portal now, or are they kind of done doing business? Uh, I would say yes, but not to the extent that people probably would want them to. You know, it's not it, a lot of the guys in terms of like free agency in college football. A lot of those guys have already gone elsewhere and picked their spot. So there's not a ton of names out there right now for them to pick over. Um, they've already kind of gotten their their big ones in terms of Damani Jackson and LT Overton and you know they're always been pretty selective with the portal I think four or five guys tends to be kind of what they've brought in the last couple of years and they're already at three so I, I do think yes they're actively looking for a couple more guys I think the offensive line is far and away you know where they need to look um, in terms of trying to bring in a center you know probably a tackle as well I mean they did bring in uh uh, Nikhil Bertrand from A&M. You do have Elijah Pritchett coming back, so that gives you two options at right tackle. You know, maybe there's a veteran out there. You know, maybe later in the spring that you like. Um, you know, I think wide receiver is, is another one where you know you probably could use somebody because you've lost a few guys. You've lost Malik Benson, and um, you know you've lost um, you know Jermaine Burton to the draft at this point. You, you, so it's you know your numbers wise, you lost Shaz Preston. You are bringing in a few freshmen. I don't think. They're signed, sealed, and delivered with Ryan Williams quite yet. I think you still have to look out for Auburn um, with Ryan Williams. So, again, yeah, I, I do think they're looking in the portal. Wide receiver and center would be the two big spots. Um, but it's not as if there's there's going to be a, a huge influx of guys coming in at this point. I was surprised when I saw Roydell Williams put himself in the transfer portal. And I read a little bit more about it, Mike, and I'll let you finish it, but – I get the feeling he's out there, but there's a better chance than most that he'll stay. What's your take on Roy Dell Williams, the running back out of Hueytown? Um, you know, it, it's rare that a guy stays. I'll, I'll say that. I think in the last yeah. three years, there's probably been, I think at this point, we're cl- talking close to 50 guys from Alabama have gone to the portal the last three offseasons. There's been precisely one who has come back. Uh, <laughs> that was Jalen Booty. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty rare for a guy to come back once. You know, they've made the move out. Uh, in Roydell's case, you know, it's tough numbers wise for Alabama because, you know, they're, they're trying to keep Jim Miller and Justice Haynes, you know, get them bigger roles. Uh, you have Richard Young coming back, you know, who was a freshman this past year. And then you just signed two freshmen in this class. You had Kevin Riley, who signed in, in December. And then over this past weekend, you had Daniel Hill, uh, the second freshman running back. So that's, that's five guys right there between Miller. Haynes, Young, Riley, and Hill. And five running backs is typically what they carry in terms of scholarship guys. So, you know, roster space-wise, I don't know if there's really space for Roydell. You know, I think it's nice to try to get some of those veteran guys back. You know, they're proven, they're experienced, they like the program, they know what to expect, et cetera. But sometimes it's a one-for-one proposition. If you get Roydell Williams back, you might lose somebody else. And I don't think you want to lose... Jim Miller or Justice Haynes because you're bringing Roy Dell Williams back. And so sometimes you just need to keep the train moving. And, um, you know, for Roy Dell's case, you know, maybe there's more playing time to be had somewhere else. Um, if Alabama truly is, is turning the page to, to Justice Haynes, as we saw in the Rose Bowl. So, um, you know, it's, 
it's possible that he comes back, but I would still be surprised at this point if he does. Were you surprised that Ty Simpson decided to return? Yeah, I mean, I think it's with him. It's it's a case of you know, again, it's you have the spring period, um, and you have again some I don't want to say uncertainty with Jalen Miller, but I think is the book entirely closed on on Jalen Milrow? Not quite. Like I, I I think there's more questions that came up with that Rose Bowl and what his ceiling is and kind of where he can go um next year for this team. And if there are slip ups early next year, you know, look, I think there will be some calls for, for some reconsideration about Jalen Milrow as a starter. So that could be the long term play if Ty is you know, thinking that he's got a shot. Um, but you know, that's, it's, it's one of those things where I think everybody expected them to, I think that makes sense for him to do it. I think with Julian Sane coming in, I would expect Sane that, you know, really push for that number two job, but, um, there's still just enough uncertainty at that quarterback position where, you know, I think Ty sees a, sees a path for himself. And if I can follow up really quick, sorry, Matt, um, did you hear anything about saying, uh, just in the, the limit, limited amount of time that he's been on campus and, and, and practicing, presumably on the scout team? Yeah, you know, guys seem to really like what he's been doing, you know, for the scout team. Obviously, yeah, it was a, a pretty small sample size. It was a week in Tuscaloosa and a week in LA. And, um, you know, it's when you're a scout team quarterback, you're, you're trying to do what the other team's doing necessarily more than you are what you're trying to do. But, um, yeah, I think it's positive so far. You know, I don't think there's, there's been questions. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's a pretty pure thrower. He's, he's probably the best, most accurate quarterback they're going to have next year. Um, and it's just a matter of how quickly can he come along? And I, I know people sometimes say like true freshman quarterback's not going to play at Alabama, but, I mean, Tua got on the field and eventually, you know, finished that season. Um, Bryce Young got on the field as number two his freshman year. And I would not be surprised to see Julian saying on the field in some capacity, whether it's late in, you know, non-conference games or a blowout or whatever the case may be, because that's the way of the world. Like you get a five-star quarterback, you can't just bash him away for a year or two and hope that he stays. I mean, it's, it's it's a year to year proposition in college football, and these guys need to play a little bit sooner than they once did uh, to keep them happy and keep them satisfied where they are. Um, so that's why I would expect them again to push for the number two job. And um, you know, if, if I think Jalen Miller offers Alabama a lot you know, in terms of athleticism and in the running game, and sometimes in the passing game. But if you truly want to go to a pure passing sort of system, then um, you know, Ty Simpson and, I mean, Dylan Lonergan and, and, um, and saying, I think would probably be better options. Let's wrap up with a basketball question. Alabama got a road victory at Vanderbilt. That's never easy for Alabama. They've had struggles there until recently. They, they have been able to win at Vanderbilt. They got South Carolina, I believe, tomorrow night at Coleman. Uh, can you just give us a quick view? on how much, if, this team has progressed. Yeah, they have. I think they, you know, it's gotten better on, on defense. I think, you know, overall, as we get deeper into the season, I think the questions do amplify a little bit um, because as we've seen them play 
higher levels of competition. Obviously, they, they took care of Eastern Kentucky. They took care of Liberty the last couple of weeks. But then you go and play Vanderbilt, and you play a really tight game, and, you know, you almost lose it at the end. Um, you know, the questions that were raised after Ohio State and after Arizona and Purdue and Clemson and um, Creighton, you know, the games that they haven't played very well or at least good enough in against higher levels of competition, that raises questions as you go forward against Tennessee, which is a top five team, and Auburn, uh, which would be the week after next, and Kentucky, which will be in February. So, um, you know, it, I don't want to say there's a ceiling on this team because I think offensively they're still number one in the country in offensive efficiency. Defense, they're they're getting a little bit better. They're in the 70s now. Um, but there still just seems to be a little bit – you see more and more of this team and you're like, mm, I'm just not sure if they're going to be good enough to um, you know, get as far as they did last year. And maybe I'll be proven wrong or you know surprised about that, but I think they are what they are. And um, – you know, I, I think they've gotten some good things out of their transfers that they brought in, but probably not to the extent that people wanted to see or what even they wanted to see. Fascinating stuff. Tell everybody where they can catch up on the latest from Mike Rodak and 24-7. Yeah, Bama247.com, also on X at Mike Rodak. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you next you, week, I hope. You got it. All right, Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7. I was just going through their website. Then. You want to keep up on what, what's going on with the transfers and all that? I went to their page, went to a story, found out everything. And we'll probably talk a little bit more about that as the show progresses here on this windy, soon-to-be-rainy Monday afternoon. Lars, did you hear about the guy that decided to go swimming with the fishes at Bass Pro Shops? This is just a- I did. It's an incredible story, and we'll, we'll talk about that and some more basketball on the other side of the break. Under the for big noon sports coming up. It is big noon sports. Matt, Lars, Wyatt, the gang is here on a Monday. As we look forward to bringing you yet another week. I want to tell you this story, if you have not heard it, most people have, uh, about the guy that ended up jumping into the aquarium at Bass Pro Shops, which is uh, just outside of Birmingham and Leeds. I'll preface it by saying mental health issues are involved here, and in no way am I poking fun at that part at all. Because I'll tell you one thing, this guy, um, he's not lacking in creativity. That's not part of his, his issue at all. Um Guy was in the parking lot, drove his car into a pole in the parking lot. I guess that uh, frustrated him. Then he took all of his clothes off and he went inside the Bass Pro Shops and jumped into the aquarium naked. And then he got out and then he got back in and then he got back out and he fell and knocked himself out. And, you know, that's all about the mental health issues. The thing that I found, and again, tiptoeing here on the eggshells, uh, because the man obviously has mental health issues. But back to the creativity of it all, okay? not He doesn't just slink in, jump in. He does a cannonball. Now, there's some creativity on a guy pulling a prank or whatever the case may be. Lars, 
When's the last time you did a cannonball anywhere? Much less into oh, an aquarium. Hey, whenever I'm jumping into a pool, clothes on or clothes off, I'm doing a cannonball. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go uh, whole hog, so to speak, yeah, I mean, just go for it. Man, I Absolutely would pay money right it. now to see you <laughs> at a swimming pool with, with your knees all up in your chest and oh, your arms yeah. wrapped around them. You yeah. can still do that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, good for you. Yeah. I'm a diver. I like diving. No. I mean, I... Uh, through the water. Yeah, you know, look, this has become like a joke around the country. And uh, I've seen people on on social media try to remind media, this isn't in Birmingham, this is in Leeds. So, hey, take your grievances to Charles Barkley. <laughs> right? Oh. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. And, and uh but yes, it is important to note that there's mental mental health issues at play here and um you know that the the uh apparently he kicked out like he damaged a door uh, in the police car as he was being uh driven away. But nonetheless, I mean you know, if you're in brass pro shops and I've been to that brass pro shops many Huge. times. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool yeah. place. Yeah. At, at one point in my life, I was thinking about buying a boat, and I went out there, and I looked at the prices, and I'm like, okay, I'm no longer buying a boat. <laughs> but it surprise you how many I could boats not believe. they had on the yeah, showroom did, floor? Yeah, and you can, I like, get in the, yeah, you can get into the boat. My yeah. kids loved climbing around Walk on around the boat. Them. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, the videos that have been sent to me by numerous people, they, they focus in on the, the one that, uh, look, he, he's naked, right? And, uh, he's, he's, he's trying to kind of get out and he's yelling and, you know, uh, he is, he's in his birthday suit and all of the, the glory or lack thereof is there for everyone to see. And, uh, it was just, uh, it was, it was a rough day for this gentleman. That's, uh, that's for sure. But, you know, it's easy. Again, Alabama, the state of Alabama is always low hanging fruit for people to make fun of. Easy to pick. Easy, easy, easy. This is an easy pop shot at Alabama to, uh, use this incident to extrapolate what somebody may view as a larger truth about the entire state, right? But yeah. that's absolutely not the case. And, him, and I hate that. Let them think that. I don't, yeah. you know, I'm surpassed that. Good. Stay out of Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, the, my, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I mean, the way I feel about Alabama now, after being, and we've had this discussion, I've lived in Alabama now, longer I lived in New York. And finally, I, I, t- I told you on air, like, this is my home. This is my home. Yep. And it, to me, it, it is one of the greatest secrets in the entire United States, how great the people are, how beautiful it is, how wonderful the weather is, although maybe not tonight. High winds coming. Everybody be careful. Um, but I'm with you. Hey, you, you, go ahead. Go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, beat a dead horse as long as you want and, and perpetuate this uh, fallacy that Alabama is uh, this way, right? Because, hey, when people have their preconceived notions, they're, they're going to hold them until their dying breath. And all right. Well, 
Go ahead Let's and do it. Let's not tell them about the beauty of Mentone and our gorgeous beaches. Yeah. Let's just not speak of that. Um, I guess everybody heard that story about Bass Pro Shops, but here's something I don't think you have heard about. Lars, does the name Yaxel Lindenborg sound familiar to you? Yaxel Lindenborg. It does not. I'm going to explain. You'll see. You need to go see. Um, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Man, this show has flown by. This is Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Come up tomorrow to Miller's Egg on a Tuesday. We got a big major SEC matchup. The Gamecocks of South Carolina Travis and Tuscaloosa to take on Nados and the Tide. We'll talk about that. And plus, they have a visit from the head coach Lamont Paris of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Got that? Your phone calls and much more right here on the Tide 100.9, 1230 AM, WTBC. On Tuesday. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Hey, Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A chance of rain this afternoon. The sky mostly cloudy, the high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour. Tonight's low 44. Windy tomorrow, rain ending during the morning, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Brought to you in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Lars, I went to, uh, I had a great weekend. I spent a lot of time with my grandchildren, which is just a special part of, of my life at this time. So uh, we decided we'd go to see UAB, play South Florida yesterday uh, at Bartow Arena. Uh, took two of the three. We had a big time, ate hot dogs and drank sun-kissed, all that kind of stuff. But it was my first opportunity to see Yaxel Lindenborg. He is a New Jersey, I think, native in a sense. Went to junior college in Arizona. Um, this guy's been flying under some radars for a while. Andy Kennedy found him. He's not flying under radars anymore. He's flying above the rim. He's a 6'9 swing guy, plays the three. Last night, and this has become rather average for his numbers following basketball games yesterday he went off for 23 and 15 rebounds 15 wow. he is and and steve irvine who's often on the show i saw him talk to him in the game a little bit and he says you know this guy's close to triple doubles every night hey, triple doubles not just a double double which he had last night and i i remember sitting there watching and thinking this guy's special and that's exactly the words that Andy has used and Steve Irvine has used. So whether or not you're a, a UAB fan, Alabama, or whatever the case may be, you want to see a special player, I urge you to go see Yaxel Lindenborg. When uh, were you first made aware of him? When he, I, I don't think he was qualified or eligible to play in the games I watched him because I went to the UAB games back in December. I don't remember seeing this guy play. If he did, he came off the bench. And, but he just 
above the rim, great IQ for basketball, can distribute as well. But And we're going to actually, I'm going to call Andy. We're going to get either Andy and or Yaxel on the show because his story is it's it would be worthy of five thousand Lars Anderson words. It he does, only played it in sounds 11, like a long form magazine piece. Yeah, yeah it's he uh, he only played in eleven high school games. He didn't want to go to junior college. He told Steve Irvine, I "said I cried. I didn't want to go to Arizona. I'm in New Jersey." But uh, somebody found him. His name is Andy Kennedy, and um, he may be the reason UAB gets to postseason. He is that good. And he's yeah. uh, of like, and you would think, isn't Lindenborg, isn't, isn't that like a a name indigenous to like your background? Uh, Norway you know, I, or I like Lindenborg? Uh, or, uh, wow. <laughs> anyway, he's like when, when I go to Ikea, I like to have a uh, gingling berry juice. <laughs> right? So, uh, yeah. Right? Like, like a, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, is there? Is, do, do IKEAs exist in the South? I don't know. I think there's one in Atlanta. I don't, they're everywhere. I think they're in the building Northeast. one in Huntsville. I'm not positive. <laughs> if you want some but. cheap furniture that will break in about, that you have to put together yourself, and it will break in about a year and a half, IKEA is your place to go. Apparently, they're not going to be some our people, sponsor. <laughs> some people are just infatuated by them. I know. I remember, I remember yeah, it's, it's when we berry juice. I think. <laughs> I, I remember going to Atlanta with some colleagues a few times, and they went, "Oh, we got to go to IKEA." I went, "Why?" And it is pretty interesting when you go in there. Just first the enormity, and then the variety of furniture and stuff that they have. But anything you got to put well, together now, is it, it, it looks it looks great that. until you get it back yeah. to your. It looks great until you get back to your apartment, and then you actually got to put it together. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Yaxel is actually of uh, I think maybe. Puerto Rican and uh, Dominican descent, and that doesn't sound like his last name. I, I hope that, that that doesn't sound wrong, but now, I, I would not think Yaxel Lindenborg would be from Puerto Rico. But go see him play. Uh, <laughs> UAB ended up winning by seventy-five, seventy-one. They are now two and zero in the American Conference. Now, I also watch parts of Alabama and Auburn. Um, Alabama's getting better. They won at Vandy. Anytime you went on the road in the Southeastern Conference, that's big. But well, hey, what, what, let's, can, we stop, can, we, can we stop there just sure. real quick? Uh, you're, you're t- I, I didn't. I had my the kids this weekend, and I didn't get to watch hardly any sports. Um, did uh, you're, you're like one or two takeaways from the Alabama game? Well, I think that uh, they are getting better on defense. Mike Rodak told us that about thirty minutes ago. Um, I think some of these guys that have transferred in, and I hate to just point one out, um, you know, it seems like Grant Nelson is, you know, he's got to reach another level um, to meet up to all the expectations we had for him. The other thing is, uh, right now, Alabama's running through Mark Sears. And, you know, here's a guy that wasn't recruited out of Marshall Shoals. He ended up going to uh, play for the Bobcats, right? Uh, yeah, Ohio. Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. And he came uh, back yeah, here. That, that, they're actually not the Bobcats, but Ohio University is oh. the Bobcats. But yeah, Miami, Ohio, I don't remember what their uh, nickname the is. Cardinal? But. Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. Um, yeah. But 
Uh, he's a big time player. He's fun to watch. Is I think Sears Alabama, an NBA player. Geez, you know, I knew maybe, you know. Yeah. Uh, but man, he's a special college player. I'll tell you that for darn sure. But the biggest story weekend, and maybe all of college basketball, certainly in the Southeastern Conference, is what Auburn did. You don't go to Bud Walton Arena and hang it on the Razorbacks, but they did. Did they end up winning by 32 or something like that? Unbelievable Bruce, margin. They just Bruce Pearl is the such hall. a good coach. He's such a good coach. You know what Man. I think, too, Lars, in watching Auburn develop? I think he has gotten to be a better floor coach in his years at Auburn. Um, yeah, he's not just a guy making substitutions anymore. He's a guy making decisions. And Auburn's got uh, an inside and out game worthy of consideration for postseason play and uh, not the NIT. They're very, very good. All right, Lars. Man, they flew by. Stay out of the rain and the wind and the cold. Be safe, everybody. And uh, our many thanks to Wyatt Fulton, our producer. You've been listening to Big Noon Sports. We'll be back in 22 hours. If you find yourself.